Thanks for tuning in again to the Replatform podcast sponsored by Amplitz and Clavia. You're listening to myself, James Gerd, and my co-host, Paul Rogers. Um, how's it going today, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm embracing another freezing cold Monday morning, uh, but looking forward to this episode. Uh, so thanks for, for everybody tuning back in. And if it's your first time, a warm welcome. We hope you enjoy it. If you subscribe, we send out new episode alerts every week. We'd also love you to give us a like on YouTube, Spotify, Apple. It makes us feel good about our own inadequacies. So let me just set up the topic and I'll introduce you to our guest today. So we're talking about the impact of integrating Clavio and Obtain AI to create personalised uh, communications, focusing on one specific business, um, Curlsmith. And the, the, the pretext of this is basically quizzes have become really popular in e-commerce as businesses seek new ways to engage customers in product discovery and provide richer online customer experience. But however, as with any shiny new bit of kit, success depends upon the quality of implementation, how tailored the quiz is to suit each audience needs, and also how it tackles their pain points and decision processes for, for product discovery. So today we're talking to the team, a highly experienced agency whose focus is on using customer data to drive business growth by us uh, CRM automation. We're going to cover using and evolving product quizzes for e-com, the impact of a quiz versus standard routes for product discovery, and smarter ways to use data to drive personalization. So uh, let's do introduction. We'll start with Phil. Let's start with you. Um, so Phil and Dave um, uh, both work at um, Pass, and Phil's the MD. So do you want to give people a little bit of an introduction, then we'll hand over to your brother? Yeah, no problem at all. So um, hello, everybody. Uh, so I set up Pass back in the summer of twenty nineteen, um, pre those heady days of COVID. Um, really. Um, to build on my background of being tech side and working with large enterprise businesses to try and bring some of that skill set, knowledge, understanding down to the, the SME markets uh, and, and owner-led businesses at the time. What we were trying to do and what we've been quite successful at is to translate that customer data into actionable marketing um, activity. So rather than and trying to move businesses along from just broadcasting general newsletters all the time to really focusing on that customer journey piece um we got involved with clavio very early on back in uh sort of august 2019 um and actually we started working with curlsmith back in uh september october 19 when they were on um at the time uh mailchimp um we helped them migrate over to clavio in the in 2020 so yeah really our focus as, a, as an organization is using brands customer data to drive increased retention Cool, excellent. Yeah, it's amazing that how many still do mass broadcasts and not targeted communications. It's it's bonkers, but um, yeah, really important um, um, approach to have. And uh, so, Dave, and and uh, I know we talked about before we start recording this that your brother kindly stitched you up and brought you in on this last minute on a Monday morning. So, do you want to give everyone uh, on the podcast an introduction as well, please? Yeah, so uh, I'm, I'm Dave. Uh, I'm, I'm Phil's brother, so uh, the commercial commercial manager. So more more sales led now, but I did a lot of work with the Carl Smith and Octane quiz. So um, it's nice to be on the call to sort of discuss what we did. Yeah, wonderful. Thanks. Right, um, you ready for some questions, gents? Let's go for it. Fantastic. Right, Paul, you uh, you can start as usual, mate. Lovely. Um, so the first question, and I think maybe I'll start with you, Phil, and if you want to add anything, Dave, uh, go for it. Um, in terms of the kind of business challenge that you typically solve um, for the brands that you're working with around kind of CRM and personalization, like what is that challenge? Like why did Curlsmith originally come to pass? Okay, so I think there's 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 two things there. I think brands sometimes don't articulate or define what they mean by personalization. 
So quite often someone has said they need we need to do personalization. Nobody really knows what it is. And you've got some people thinking that it's as simple as a first name merge. You've got other people thinking I need to be a bespoke one to one messaging service. Our view is there's somewhere in the middle, there's something you know, commercially viable around broad person, broad stroke personalization. Now, the biggest challenge we find when brands want to start to delve into personalization, they haven't got the data points required to deliver that journey. So quite often, you know, uh, all of us are consumers around on this call. We'll go into a website. We're new to that site and we'll give an email address. Well, but suddenly we're expecting that brand to give us a personalized journey, whereas the only piece of data we've shared is our email address. So actually, brands then start to collect more data, but it's historically based on transactions. So Phil's been onto Curlsmith. He's brought um, a product. Whether that's the right product for Phil or not, the brand doesn't really know, but it will start to make some assumptions. Go, okay, Phil's brought product A. We're going to send more content about product A. Where we want to move businesses through to is having that two-way communication that then starts saying, well, actually, Phil, you don't need product A. You need product B, C, and D for these reasons. And thinking about how do you bring that kind of online shop assistant to life? So you you walk into the store and you ask somebody, say, I've got this type of hair or I've got this problem and there's a recommendation made. So this is where we're using Octane to start to really drive that personalized experience by listening to what people are saying, taking that data in and then asking a different question based on that that answer, basically. That makes sense. And um, I guess onto the quiz more specifically. Um, so after you'd kind of set it up and let it run for a while, um, how has this evolved over time? Like, How have you kind of taken learnings and adapted the quiz? Um, and then what kind of things have you learned about the customer? Two stages to that. So I think for us, the, the quiz itself is, is, has been tweaked and, uh, and evolved. I think one of the key learnings we got quite quickly is, is how to serve the quiz. So you can serve it in a number of different ways. You know, the traditional on the on a page on the site within the navigation that people can find to, um, or Octane actually has its own kind of pop up builder, so you could build it within a pop up. What we found, and Dave can correct me on this if I'm wrong, because I'm going back a little bit in, into to the depths of my memory, was actually when we hosted it on the pop up, the conversion rate was less than it was doing natively on the page so actually we changed back to a clavio pop-up and used the pop-up to direct people through to the online quiz within the host so it's things almost not only the questions you're asking but how you're serving the technology to, to make the best use of it um, and then you'll have to forgive me with the second part of the question <laughs> uh, what have you learned about the customer from the quiz okay so it, i think within seven months we'd gained a hundred thousand new subscribers so brand new, uh, not just having an email address, but having profiled information and product recommendations about those those individuals. And Dave, again, I think it was about 85,000 of the existing database within seven months had gone back through, re-subscribed um, in effect by going through the process, but also added all that information about themselves. So we suddenly knew what type of curly hair they had, whether it was um, heavy curls, light curls, how thick the hair was, and the, the products that we would recommend, or that the uh, Curlsmith recommended for those individuals. That in turn then allows us to start to tweak the messaging that we're giving to the customers by you know, using uh, Clavio product blocks to show and hide different pieces of content based on those answers. So again, very quickly, you're taking data and inputs from from the customer then directly and then serving them back you know at a broad commercially viable level real uh, strong product recommendations 
That makes sense. Um, and then I guess just going, I went through the quiz the other day and it's obviously great. And I can see how you could learn a lot of information around potential customers. Um, it's pretty long. Um, and I was going to ask how you've seen this perform, whether you've tested it versus a shorter version. Um, I've seen others in the past talk about longer kind of quizzes or processes being more like a skin in the game mentality and maybe getting more kind of subscribers at the final point. But yeah, what have you got any kind of learnings from the kind of length of the I think from 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 my side, I think it's probably one of the longer quizzes we we built and done, or that we've sort of had with our clients. It's engaging though, so people are going through it. People aren't dropping off, so the numbers suggest that actually the length is the length is right for them. Is the question is, will people drop off after question one, question two? What is that engagement like? If people get bored, it becomes an issue. But people know that going through that quiz, they're getting a a group of recommend recommended products. It also says in the quiz that actually it only takes a two minutes. I think it says on the quiz. So having that sort of time frame in there, that that is a key to people go. Actually, do you know what? It's only two minutes, and I know what I'm going to get at the end of it. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I've seen this when I've been doing uh, work with people on customer insight surveys, which often get sent out by email because that's the the main opt in is. And telling people explicitly on the starting page of a survey, this this takes less than five minutes to complete. Um, if you leave it blank, you find fewer people get past the first page. When they see multiple mm-hmm. steps, they go, oh, I can't be asked because we're all quite lazy humans. So, yeah, interesting that you've done that and, and found that. I also liked um, the point you made earlier, Phil. I think it's a really poignant one around this personalization because seeing those clients when, when you say the word personalization to a business that doesn't have a big data team, the instant thing is, oh, Christ, I need a really expensive tool or it's impossible. We don't have the resources because it's massive. And then breaking it down and pulling out specific capabilities and saying, you could get here within you know six to eight weeks and we can measure it and we think the uplift will be X. I think it's by far the best way. And I've, I've seen that before with people on, on their email comms where they've just picked, right, okay, we're going to take first-time buyers and do a warm-in welcome series and add a level of personalised communication that they wouldn't otherwise have got. And then you suddenly get the interest. People go, oh, we can do this. And then we move on to the next bit. I think quite often brands think about the outputs rather than the inputs to drive the personalization. So it will be, a, we want to be able to do this. Um, and they haven't got the data points to be able to trigger that and actually backfill those trigger points. I also think we, we talk about commercially viable a lot of well, actually, if you've got a segment of, I don't know, 10 people that have brought the white T-shirt in size medium, well, actually, if you then send a follow-up email to those 10 people, by the time you've got a you know, 50% open rate, that's down to five, you get a 10% click you through to one or two people, a 3% conversion on the website. Suddenly you go, is it actually worth the effort? And it's how do you how do you get those businesses to go? Well, if you've got ten thousand people, maybe split it in half and 50-50. If you've got a hundred thousand, that's where maybe you can start going into you know ten percent pots because you've got that relevancy. Yep. But start broad and take it on a journey. I think the brands that struggle to do that are the ones that try to go from zero to hero overnight, and it's almost impossible. You'll spend your, all your all your time almost creating the 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 creative variants that you'll need to drive that personalization versus actually the value of just getting an email that's broadly personalized out the door yeah 100 percent. i've done work in previous in people in training programs where it's right okay yes you can do it but you're trying to do too much exactly that is you don't have the data you don't have the analysts you can't possibly do the analysis to know what's working and what's not so pick, pick a segment where you have a decent sale, like you say, and, and often like first people who've bought once but haven't bought a second time and using them 
and doing it segmented based on the category or, or the type of product, depending on, on what vertical you're in. Yeah, yeah. It's a nice way of framing this, I think. Uh, and if you also, if you're a, a new business and you, you you're not quite sure of your your retention rates of how you know the product you know repurchase frequency, it's easier maybe if there's a subscription style business where you're selling a product that's going to last thirty days. But if you're by I don't know, selling. Um, t-shirts or trainers people will buy at a different cadence and it's actually starting to work out what they are you know you could have a really defined beautiful personalized journey but if i've just made a purchase i'm unlikely to buy that t-shirt at 50 pound again that week it's about trying to understand which levers to pull at which times so i've got i've got an additional question um to throw at you guys i'm, I'm interested because I've, I've seen i know paul's done a lot of work with 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 quiz and things like octane I've worked with a lot of businesses where I've not implemented it, but I've been I've worked with them to help them understand how they could use them and the commercial benefits. And I've, I've seen in industries, beauty, skincare specifically, it works very well because there is a, a, a specific um, personal influence to the purchase, you know, skincare, for example, with any spe- specific skin issues you got. I can see with the hair, like, you know, depending on what type of hair you've got, if you've got really dense, you know, um, Afro hair, for example, the hair care treatment you need is totally different to somebody with thinner, finer hair. So therefore, the more data you give and the more info you get back, the greater value you're getting as a customer. Do you find that that that, that there are, you know, there's just certain types of product that don't suit the quiz as well? Or do you think it can generally be adapted to any product set? I, my personal view, and again, um, people made it, is it can be adapted. So, we, you know, we've, we've set it up for dog food manufacturers. We've got it for companies with trainers and it's it's about thinking well actually what's this you know how do we better serve and personalize the future comps so using it you know not from a data acquisition perspective so i say well actually we know phil is i know size 10 shoes he's in the uk in this market he's so, there's so much value there and actually if the value exchange to the customer is that we're going to make some product recommendations to you off the back of this by, by giving this information so i think it can work i think there are certain sectors maybe the, the gifting space where it's going to be you're not buying for yourself you're buying for somebody else that there, there may be a challenge there but generally i think i i liking it to you know the, the concierge in a shop or the, the shop assistant you're coming in you're asking a question you're asking for a recommendation and that customer's using or so that shop assistant is using the answers you're giving to make a recommendation it's, it's that same process yeah um, i think that an interesting point about the gift one i saw it i've seen it done very badly on gifts where because basically everyone gets the same gift recommendations yeah, <laughs> yeah. and you're basically on a category page filtering by price and it's like, yeah. what's the point of that? Um, but there's, there's I think a way you can do gifting correctly, and I think you can build it the right way. So we, one of our one of our coffee coffee companies we work with, do do a gifting section. But the question is, it tailors tailors it. Are you buying for yourself? Are you buying for somebody else? It literally goes off on a different thing, because you can know you can know flavor profiles, for example. You can know what somebody likes and what somebody dislikes as part of that gifting process. Therefore, you can start to get recommended products. But you have to design in a way that Clavio knows that you're buying the person as a gift and it's not your profile properties. So if you're then going to do stuff within the email, that you're actually dictating the right email to the right person at the right time. Yeah. I think yeah, the that, art that, of, sorry. Go on, I can. I was gonna say the art of design, I think the principle is the same as survey design. Mm. You you can you can get a very poorly designed survey and have a really crap response rate if you don't think about the audience and the value to them. Yeah, I mean the, the the lovely thing about Octane is the fact that you can run multiple quizzes almost nested, so you can start to say, well, actually, the first question is, are you buying for yourself or 
you know, for somebody else and then split them into different quizzes based on those profiles and those answers. Um, there's nothing to say that you you do a you know an almost a new customer quiz and then do a follow up to to legacy customers, et cetera, et cetera. So you can run multiple quizzes within the same functionality, which is you know really helpful. I know it's a, it's a leap year leap uh, um, on from when I started doing stuff like this years ago before these tools existed and things like Survey Gizmo because the mm. user interface isn't quite as attractive as using an Octave. No, and I, and I think it, you know there's other pieces out there that can do kind of uh, customer feedback, but it's that the, for us the power is how you get that data into Clavio and then use it as actionable data rather than like a, a retrospective look back of, oh yeah, that was buying, you know, someone was buying for a gift. The fact is we know that and we can action that from you know day zero onwards. What is Ampliance? In a word, it's freedom. The freedom to build a digital experience as limitless as your vision. Create, preview, schedule, and manage all your content in one easy place. Find out more at Ampliance.com. Ampliance experience freedom yeah exactly and in terms of because we've been talking about data right zero first party data is becoming a massive land grab for ecom teams because all the problems around third party data and privacy and what you can and cannot use um what what percentage of users who start a quiz do you typically see are submitting and getting to the end of it versus those that drop out Dave's on mute, so I'll answer this for him on his behalf. The wonders of uh, online. So we're, we're about 90, 90% completion rate on, on the uh, Curlsmith quiz. So it, it is very high. And again, I think it's about to Paul's point earlier, you know, making sure you, you're not asking for too much, but you're, you're providing that value in that context of why you're asking. So I think um, the Curlsmith quiz is a fantastic one, but it's a complicated or more complicated uh, area than I ever believed possible for you know a man you know, with short hair just to want to buy a wash and go and go. Um, the complexities are there, so the questions there are relevant, and I think that refinement is there. You take um, the, a dog food quiz; it may be, have you got an allergy? Are you a puppy or an adult dog or a senior dog? You can you can do do the same results in two or three questions. So it's you know it's about tailoring it and not. And also thinking about what are you going to use that data for? I, I don't believe in taking data just for the sake of taking data. I think there's got to be a context and a reason behind we're going to be able to action this data moving forward. And this is why we're taking it. And um, just expanded on that. So the next question is um, for those who do abandon and maybe not just in the context of Curlsmith, but maybe with other brands as well. Do you ever try and recover those users or customers and what level of impact does that have? So if, if if we know we've got an email address on, on site and they're, they're Clavio cookie seeded, they'll go through the standard sort of abandonment series messaging that, that we have in there. If they don't if they don't put their email address, we don't have any of that, that octane data, so it's hard to sort of personalise in it. Yeah, we could we could retarget them. I think if someone's dropped out of a quiz, it's almost like if someone's unsubscribed from an email, do you then retarget on social media? For me, it's like they they've dropped out for a reason. Is there any point in retargeting? If they're going go on to buy, then potentially we look at potentially re-pushing re them back through the quiz afterwards. For me, a first-time buyer is not a customer. They're a trialist. But they're really only just trialing the brand, so it's about how to get them into a second one. So if they haven't brought the right product because they didn't complete the quiz, then potentially we would look at that kind of branching out piece in terms of giving them a slightly different message. I think I think Paul raises a, an interesting point here as well because there's a you know a thought process and a potential test about where where do you ask for the the email address so you can go through a, you know a quiz 
and in effect the results page is gated by an email so actually do you ask for the quiz you know the email address up front in which case you could then potentially retarget people um versus the convenience of getting them through and go okay it's just one more question okay enter my email address so that data it depends on where you're asking for the data now I couldn't say what's right or wrong. I think my personal preference is to ask for that email address kind of at the end, especially with an incentive of, you know, we'll, we'll give you X percent of your first order when you complete the quiz type thing. So there's an element of the first party cookies there, but they might not have been tied to an email address at that point. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, and next question. So have you, like what, from a purely kind of conversion and transactional perspective, um, what is the impact like of sending a user through a quiz versus, you know, a standard landing page or collection, for example? Um, does, in your experience, does the quiz uh, typically perform better? I know I've definitely seen an increase in people uh, doing prospecting activity via social and sending people directly through to quizzes. Like, what's your view on that? It's, it's a it's a tough one and, I, and again it comes back to brands quite often just doing a quiz and not doing that kind of a b testing of you know quiz versus no quiz i think it's about the value of that data and also i mean curl smith where what worked really well for their quiz is that they they did some um you know social media marketing to push people to the quiz that's where the real benefits are you're driving traffic to it versus just hoping traffic will you know trip over the site on the on their usual browsing activity or so i think there's a couple of ways here i know dave's got we we had some really strong results with the email that's fed off the back of the curlsmith quiz so you complete the quiz you may go on and transact but you're going to get a, a results email and dave i think that was about one and a half percent of their total digital revenue was, was delivered just from that one email alone so not even email total digital revenues so very very powerful um you could argue that some of those would have gone on to complete their transactions anyway. It's not kind of ring fence with a an A B test. Well, so that that one and a half percent was actually slightly smaller number than actually it was actually three and a half percent. But we would assume that we were actually taking some people away from the site back to the email. So I kind of justified what we would have lost out of the sort of the welcome journey and those kind of things. So one and a half was a was a, was a decent number. That makes sense, and. Um... How have your clients, how have Curlsmith found working with Octane? Like, have they found, I, when I first worked with Octane, which was quite a while ago, I remember the merchandising side was quite time consuming and, you know, you had to build out different sets of results and some of the templating was um, a little bit inflexible in places. Like, how have they found working with it? Is, like, how have those areas come along since it was first introduced? So I think there's, there's two sides to this. One is... Part of the, the bigger challenge with quizzes is generating the, I've got a bit of feedback, sorry, um, is almost starting at the bottom. So with, with your results, well, what are you trying to hit? How are you trying to segment the customers to give them results? Otherwise you can, you know, you can be too complicated. I think that's one of the, almost the pre-sales element of working with brands is that they want to try and get too much out of it from day, day one. It's about actually how do you do those broader brush steps and then moving forward the the platform itself you know continues to evolve i do think um they they've introduced you know custom css um, elements to it versus what it was originally where it was purely link, linking into the shopify uh, um product library um we do a lot of work with them you know as a partner of theirs to develop those pages and the quizzes on on their behalf so that they lean heavily on us in that's that sense um i think with all of these there are 
if if a brand is highly highly critical of um design and 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 has a bespoke site i think there's definitely challenges or you know it needs scoping properly to really get it integrated into a platform you know into a custom site really well um a simple you know shopify theme store is a little bit easier because again the brand you know the, the guidelines meet there the other side of that is that you know another change we've seen recently is that the, the actual product merchandising itself if it's not set up and configured correctly trying to find those recommended products it all ties back to that unsexy data layer underneath if that's not set up correctly it can bring out the wrong results or it, you know you've then got to customize it more and more heavily to, to get it to where you need it to be and um so octane's got the ability if i answer correct to pass submission data into the customer property in Clavio. Uh, I'd love that some people might know what that means. Other people might be needing to think about what, what, what does that mean? What's the benefit? Is this something you're doing? And if so, what is the benefit to the business of having that data pass through? How can you use it? So the answer is yes, we are doing it. And, and this is the, the key thing for us. So um, I was looking at a, um, a site recently that had a, an on, it's got a, a Christmas gift quiz. Um, and they haven't asked for an email address purely because they're looking at it from a website conversion perspective. We want not to put a barrier in place for a customer to go through the quiz. But suddenly that cus- that individual browsing the site is given the fact that they're buying for their wife or you know, they've got X to spend, they've got a preference on, I know, scent or whatever it may be. All that data is there, they've given that data, but it's only available within that that store or that, that session at the time. What we can do with the Clavio, um, uh, sorry, Clavio Octane quizzes and integration is start to say, well, okay, Phil's gone through this site. He's he's saying he's buying for a gift. It's for his partner, um, and he wants to spend X. And uh, his partner has a preference towards, you know, floral smells. All that information is then stored in in Clavio's custom properties. So, the lovely thing about Clavio is how quick it is to action and, and get get going. But it is a little bit, you know, limited in terms of the the data sometimes because you've got a, a customer profile, email address, first name, last name. You've then got the transactional data that's stored against it, and you can do elements of that data. If you then want to start collecting that preference data or that personalization data, you then need to kind of build that through. So you can use flows uh, in Clavio to start to store information about the fact that I know D- Dave has previously purchased, uh, you know, a, a men's white T-shirt but you've got to manually do that where the octane clavio integration comes in is if dave's gone on to a quiz and he's put in that he's interested in men's t-shirts color white all that profile information is then stored directly into clavio as a custom property so it's generating that on the fly and allowing us to then use that data to tr- um, to trigger personalized comms within emails or natively new emails. So um, the fact is we can use that to power personalization in campaigns moving forward. Uh, <laughs> so like Curl Smith have um, obviously got a lot of growth through CRM and their focus on the area. Apart from the quiz that you've worked with them on, which had a lot of success, what other things have you been doing um, to help them achieve growth? Okay, so... We've got a long-standing relationship with um, Curl Smith. So when I first got introduced to them back in back into 2019, they were on Mailchimp at the time. And I think Paul will remember this. You know, Shopify and Mailchimp weren't talking to each other. You had to go through a third-party platform to do anything in, involving data. Um, we what we've we've done as a business working with them is migrated them to Clavio. We set up a number of the key functions within that process around 
the customer experience or the customer journey. So, you know, welcome emails when people sign up and people get different messaging based on where they signed up or how they signed up. So um, the pop-up, you know, email footer, the quiz and the checkout, they all get slightly different messaging based on, on that activity. You've then got your retargeting messages. So, you know, your top of funnel, so collection abandonment, browser abandonment, add to cart, basket abandonment. So all of those, as people come through the funnel, but then there's a lot of work on the data as well. So behind the scenes, so they've got a large database. Not all of it is engaged with email at any one time. So thinking about that email frequency management of, well, actually this 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 cohort of people are, are more engaged with email. So actually the frequency may be slightly higher than the, the cohort that came in last Black Friday and haven't really opened an email since. So we're starting to think about the data to, to enable us to manage deliverability, customer experience, and, and ensure that we're not, you know, that we don't want our brands to be um, three times a week, discount heavy to everybody all the time. It's about managing that each individual cohort correctly with the right frequency um, and the right messaging. Right. And um, last two questions. So my last, uh, my second to last question. Uh, what are the best, what are your favorite implementations of quizzes of an e-com sites um, and Octane generally? Oh, that's a tough one. Dave, you got any, any, any Apart thoughts? Apart from the one you've just talked about. <laughs> yeah. <I was> just... <laughs> we, we've, we've done one for a, a com- uh, <coughs> excuse me, a midwife company. Um, and this is a good one because there's basically four separate quizzes within one, but it allows us to then scale out those four quizzes onto different stages of, those, of that, that pregnancy journey. So I quite I quite like that one because that, that was a lot of legwork in terms of working out the logic of those, those bits. Octane have got a new AI tool, which looks really cool. I haven't managed to be able to use it yet. So that looks like a really interesting one to, to, come, into, to come into play. Right. I think, um, yeah, two that I really like. So one is Maeve. I don't know if you've seen that one. M-A-E-V. And that's a, it's a pet food quiz, but it like personalizes as you go, like changes like some of the content and imagery and stuff. And then I think Spoke's really good from a design and kind of mm. journey perspective. Um, if you could change the Curlsmith implementation, like maybe beyond the capabilities of Octane or, um, yeah, maybe beyond the limitations you might have with the client, like what would you change? Like what do you think could be improved on the implementation? I think it's there's always room for improvement. I think some of the data integrations you know we'd like to be able to get more data into into clavio um you you will know this pool from your time looking at it as well it's very very good and it's similar in a way to clavio in that actually it does 90 percent of everything you need it to do i you can just get in get going and and you can go from sort of zero to hero very easily with the right sort of structure and process it's when you want to get into that 10 percent of that customization i think like with all platforms it's done to a level where it does just about what you need but when there's those 10 percent edge cases that you really want to push the boundaries that's where i think that the the platform you know starts to not starts to fail but starts to you know you start to hit the buffers of what's possible and that's where you you may start thinking well actually do i go for a more custom setup with uh you know uh, get my developers to build something now we have this conversation quite often with our customers of well, I can get our developers to build something versus you know paying a monthly fee. Nine times out of ten, our view is actually using a tool that can do it front end that a marketeer can manage themselves 
is generally better than getting the developers to build it as a custom activity purely from an ongoing management perspective i.e you've you've done a development project to build a quiz but you then want to change the third question to something else well actually then you've got to rebook it in with the developers to get that question changed versus the front end of octane being able to go in there and actually do it yourself and that's where i think sometimes it's it's understanding what the opportunity and the scope of the project is up front so is octane the right fit and, and it will be things like that. The other side is, you know, the zero party cookies that you're you're then capturing as well, which is really helpful. So I think for me, Octate's the design, being able to upload more custom CSS, it's being able to maybe, you know, ideally with their AI tool, almost develop the question, you know, the some basic questions on its own once it's looked at your data and generate that. That could be the future. But um I think generally, you know we can talk about the bells and whistles, but 90% of it is there and brands can get on and use it quite quickly now. Yeah, that makes sense. I think, um, yeah, we've seen a massive uplift of people just being able to roll it out. And I think before Octane came on the market or when it was still a chatbot um, back in the day, um, I remember all the different tools that did this took months to roll out and cost, you know, thousands and thousands of pounds a month. So, yeah, I think it's really good that it's like a bit of a commodity now in the Shopify. Yeah, I mean, you, you could almost look at it in a way of, you know, I've been, I've been in the email space for well over a decade now and used to go into brands and talk to them about, you know, putting the platform in place with basket bandwidth and developers going, well, we can build a basket bandwidth, we can see that. But again, it comes down to then it's it's an IT-led process versus a marketeer-led process. And then someone's got to manage that process. And I think sometimes that convenience and speed to market and be able to almost test quickly and fail quickly is more important than you know saving a couple of hundred dollars a month in fees by building it yourself. I think it's also, if you're going to develop your own one, you always want a proof of concept that the quiz is going to work. So this Octane build gives you that proof of concept before you even spend money in building the developer's one because developer's time obviously costs more than being able to do it. So if you are if you if you get to the point of limitation of it, at least you've got a proof of concept that it works. Cool. That's been I found that really interesting. Thanks, gents. Um yeah, I I really like the idea of quiz and I've seen some good implementations. I think your your the key takeaways from this is just thinking through that user journey and thinking through what data do you want to collect, but also what the value to the customer is. Because I think that's the key, isn't it? If there's no perceived value to the customer, that's when you get the high abandonments because they give up. They can't see why they're, they're carrying this on. Um, yeah. And, and this is where it comes back to that personalization thing as a whole piece around if you're, you know, uh, and we talked about it, alluded to, so if you're a larger organization with a data team, with a, a good size CRM team, with a designer, and you've got the the bandwidth to be able to, to, to create the variance you need to drive, you know, bespoke personalization on a regular basis, great. If you're, you know, starting out, you're a little bit further into that journey, but you're still a small team, creating those variants sometimes just doesn't add the value. So yes, it would be nice to do, but there's probably better ways to spend your time and, and money on. And this is where something like an Octane can help because suddenly you go, well, actually, from an automation perspective, we can have pre-canned designs that just plug and play based on those parameters. We can use elements of those quiz data to start to drive more relevancy in comms or frequency in comms. And it's just, I mean, I think the takeaway, you know, put the customer at the heart of everything you're doing as a brand. So if you're asking the question why, you know, what are you going to use it for and how do you deliver that on a you know a commercially viable basis? 
Yeah, sensible advice. And if people are listening in, yeah, people might be thinking, I don't, I don't believe I can make this quiz work for my brand and my products. Or they might be thinking, well, actually, I've got a few technical questions about how to how I can do this properly and what effort I need. How do they reach out? Who do they connect with? So either reach out to Dave or I directly um, at PASS. So uh, the website is www.pass, which is p-a-a-s-e.co.uk. Um, email addresses are Dave at or fill out uh, and fill with two L's because I'm a little bit awkward in that regard. Um, or simply hello at PASS and one of the team will be able to, to connect and help. Fantastic. And thanks as always for, for everyone for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, keep your ear open for our next episode. We drop one every Tuesday. Do let us know if there's any specific topics or technologies you'd like us to feature. Do subscribe if you haven't already. And we'd love that rating on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Until next week, everybody. Thank you. For more information on this topic, head over to replatform.fm for our audio podcasts. To discuss a project, or if you'd like to chat about any of the topics covered in this episode in more detail, please reach out to myself, James Gerd, or my co-host, Paul Rogers, via LinkedIn and Twitter. Thanks again for listening, and keep your ears peeled for the next episode.